Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, the interview podcast in which I, Mark Decano, interview figures from in and around the comedy circuit in a manner that would have the great stalwarts of the chat show, Jonathan Ross, Larry King, Johnny Carson, down on their knees weeping, largely for having the audacity to use their names in the same sentence as my own. In this episode, I'm interviewing not one guest, but two, actor Jocasta King and stand-up comedian Lyle Bark. Together, they're not only partners in life, but in comedy and promote some fantastic lineups in Surrey and West London. It's Quipshed Comedy. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. Both of you taking the time to talk to me. We'll crack straight on if you're happy. I'm very for happy. Sure. Are you happy? Yes. Happy, happy. So Quipshed Comedy, the comedy night that you run, how did that start? Where did that, what conversation did that come out of? <laughs> oh God, I can't remember. I can. Oh, good. <laughs> it came from nowhere. Like a company has been set up from literally the most random thing. Lyle was visiting occasionally this sports club in Thames Ditton that neither of us had ever been to before, ever, ever, uh, ever. You hadn't been there before and you looked at the space just and you thought, oh, this would be great for a comedy night. <laughs> and then... You said nothing about it for a while, and then you eventually emailed the venue just to say, oh, we'd be interested in maybe putting on a comedy night. Well, you were interested. At that point, we had no sort of company or anything like that. And then... And there was a lockdown as well, which is why I sort of... There was... Yeah, maybe yeah, give it a while. That yeah. thing, the lockdown, yeah, mm. that was a thing. And then, <laughs> um, and then JJ, the venue manager, essentially did not email you back for about six months it was uh it was nearly a year because he didn't have his emails had broke something had gone wrong with his emails right um and then he just emailed me back saying yeah i'd be keen for this but like so long after the original email so you'd even forgotten that you had suggested it yeah and then suddenly (laughs) this email appeared and you were like oh oh yeah about that and then we just sat down and went, okay, well, yeah, let's give it a go. Let's and do then, it properly, sort of thing. Yeah, it? Yeah. it honestly was so random that we've, we haven't ever in our lives thought about starting anything like this. And actually, I do feel like at one point you had said to me when you first started out doing stand up, oh, well, mate, you know, we could run our own night. And I, I know I definitely said, absolutely not. I, I do not want to do that. <laughs> That's something I'm so uninterested in. Never come back to me with that suggestion again. Mm. <laughs> Cut to now. <laughs> yeah, I think the idea was just to do the night in Thames Ditton because the place yeah. looked, was so good for it. But then Jocasta's quite sort of entrepreneurial. And I think then expansion was... Um, it's just, inevitable. <laughs> yeah, it's grown very quickly without us really meaning it to. Like, I, I think it's sort of run away with us slightly um, yeah. and we've just decided to make it more official as months have gone by. Um, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, totally random, essentially. Yeah. So, Lyle, you're a stand-up comedian, so I understand you wanted to start a comedy. I understand you initiating this, but Jocasta, you're an actor. Mm. Right? What part did you anticipate playing in this? What drew you to it? Well, circumstance mainly. So about, um, gosh, two months before we set this up, I quit my full-time non-acting job because I I was just so done with it. I, it was, <laughs> I felt like it was sucking the creativity out of my soul. And I just kind of took a leap of faith and thought, okay, I'm just going to go freelance with lots of different things that I do mm-hmm. and then just hope hope something happens essentially. And so when this came up I thought, well, do you know what? I have a lot of time so I can I can help. I can I I can build the website cuz that's something I can do. Yep. I can do the social media, I can market it. Um I can help you run the nights and then it's just become so much more than that mm-hmm. so I, I the great thing about Quipshed is that both of us have have not meant to do it seriously I don't think like we we did it for a bit of fun and it's become more than that so I never stepped into it thinking this is something I'm going to do yeah it's just sort of grown I think we wanted the nights to be good oh but, yeah um, definitely not make it into an actual business no I so think that's what I mean a comedy night and yeah. yeah now we've got what four maybe five venues or something yeah 
I think really? that's what most of my gigs are now. I don't really gig anywhere else. Lyle just employs himself. It's to um, the detriment of my career. This So much nepotism in this company, <laughs> let me tell you. Too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was there was nothing essentially that drew me to it other than just thinking like, yeah, well, it's convenient. It's something to do and work on. I need a project. And I mean, I do enjoy comedy. I think that's a point to make. At no point have I ever been like, it's not my thing. Comedy's not my thing. I love comedy. I've always loved stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen so much more since Lyle's gone into it. Um, so like, you know, my my love of it's grown over the last few years. So obviously that was a thing that I thought, oh, okay, no, this is something I am interested in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So who um, who books the acts? Lyle What's books the division the acts. of labor? That's my only job. <laughs> right. That's the only thing I do. Yeah. Is book the acts. I mean, but we you... we do discuss it. it yeah. It's not just left to Lyle. Lyle just comes up with the with the ideas, I suppose. I mean, actually, though, since we've, I suppose, started it and I've gotten to know more comedians, I, I do suggest. Now. I do have my favourites. Yeah. So when I, whenever we're booking another night, she throws the same names into the hat. <laughs> so it's in danger of just becoming a sort of travelling circus with the same. <laughs> it won't be. We, we promise it won't be. But well, yeah. If you're booking your own night, why not book the people you Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that is a thing that we do always talk about. We We do want to book people that we think will know to be really good at what they do we would never knowingly book someone without maybe seeing them first or um or at least seeing like footage of them um we we take that part really seriously because we want to make sure that our audiences are seeing the best comedy that they can um but you know sometimes sometimes you've seen someone that i haven't seen or you know vice versa oh yeah the struggle is to actually get people that you want to book Mm. on because we don't there's there's only so many nights and there's just so many people yeah. so many good comedians out there that could that you want to book and we've been going for what nearly a year now and I still haven't got around to being able to book some people and then all, obviously loads of people are unavailable all of the time Friday yeah. nights yeah I mean there have been some comedians that we've emailed in like February to ask for any Friday, first Friday of no, the month, something. And they said, so sorry, I'm booked for the whole year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jeff Innocent. Yeah. No, no weekend yeah. Jeff, left. Jeff, was- <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, if you're listening, we want you. Come to us, Jeff. Hmm. But yeah, mainly Lyle doing the admin on the booking, though. Um, but we do discuss it. It's definitely a joint effort. But you yeah. have more of that relationship with the comedians and the agents than I do. Mainly from being on the circuit. It's nice to go to different gigs and then meet someone or see someone or meet, or see someone again that you remember, that you haven't seen for a long time and be like, oh my god, they'd be perfect. Yeah, for the gig, and then off the back of being on a gig with them the night before, be able to give them a shout in the morning or something and be like, do you want a do you want a paid gig? That's quite a nice part of it. Yeah, it's be- always better to message people afterwards. I think. After not like because they you don't want to have that sort of power I don't know the weird sort of power element of being like oh you're a promoter or do you know what I mean I don't yeah. I don't think anyone sees me in that way do you know what I mean I think people probably do see you in that way no. but I think but no but I know but I think you're also conscious that you, first and foremost you're a stand up comedian and that's how. You that's would very like kind of you to, to call me that. <laughs> Your biggest cheerleader. Um, but you are, and I think that it's important that that's what people see you as first and foremost. So I understand wanting to, you know, keep the promoter side. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Separate. Yeah. Yeah. But it's quite nice to afterwards be like, oh, that was a great gig that we did together the other day, whether it's at like Backyard or some, something like that. And yeah. message them being like, do you want to do you know, 20 minutes here on this date. That's quite a cool part of it, I think. I quite yeah. like that. It's just always scouting for talent, aren't you, Lars? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that sounded creepier than it. <laughs> yeah, no, that really did. I take that back. <sighs> so when you're thinking about um, a comedy night and a billing and you're booking the acts, do you have it in your mind, oh, I need uh, X personality and Y personality to go on and I need to be in this certain order or that act wouldn't work well with this act? Yeah. Yeah, it's we, we really do. The, the, I find the most... But this is only our personal like view on it of what we think a good comedy night is. Yeah. But the, the most difficult spot to book is the opener. Yeah. Because I can't do it. I'm not very... I mean, it's a hard I mean, to one. any promoters out there, I can. I mean, I can if, <laughs> if you want me to. But it's... 
it's a really difficult one to get. A lot of our venues, there's the the Hammersmith one particularly. The audience are so sort of timid when they first come in. They're always yes. nice. You must have noticed it. Yeah, they're always a little bit late, and they're always much better after the first break. Yeah, once they've loosened up a bit. I think it's because it's predominantly like a it's pre- like it's a it's a wedding venue. They go in. It doesn't look like a comedy club. The bars upstairs. Um, yeah. So you have to have someone. You can't just rely on the MC. You have to have someone opening that's like... That hits God. them with energy. Like yeah. You need someone who is just going to attack it. Yeah. And it has to be fast-paced. It has to be... They have to be very likable as well, yes. though. I think. Yes. So Ian Smith... Um, who I think Ian Smith and Michael Odawale are yeah. two of the best I've ever seen at, at opening a gig. Because mm. they just get the audience on side. The energy is brilliant. They've opened for us both recently. Yeah. And it's just been amazing. And there's not many other people I think can do it in, in that in that same way. I mean, I definitely yeah. can't. <laughs> but yeah, some venues that we have, there's a couple of venues that we have, I think are difficult for the opener. Um, I think that's the main bit. It's, it's just finding that person that's going to lift it straight away. Yeah, but we all, I guess we also do discuss the mix as well. So, you know, we also go, you know, this person is more of a, you know, alternative comedian. So they would fit well with someone who isn't. So there's a bit of variety on the evening. Like we, we don't tend to try and pick the same, like a similar comedian. We're also conscious to make sure that our, you know, bills are as diverse as possible and a good mix of, you know, both male and female comedians. Those are, yeah. that always crosses our mind. We don't, we always try and keep it as diverse as possible. Obviously, sometimes not possible in some ways if people drop out on the day. Yeah. Um, but we, we always consider that that's really important to us. Yeah, you've you got, you got to try your best. I mean, it's e- I think it's easy to do mm-hmm. unless you have dropouts on the day, which very rarely happens. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, we our gig last weekend, it became a boys club. Um, yes. Which is, it's not ideal. It was a good gig. But yeah. I think well, I you, you originally had female acts, but yes, uh, that's right. Yeah, we did. But, but yeah. I, you know, on the day, and um, when you have dropouts on the day, you have to sort of call upon your the, the people that you know um, closely yeah. um, as quickly as possible. People, especially on a Friday night, most people are booked, so it, yeah. it, it is a challenge. Um, but yeah, no, we we always consider having as diverse a bill as possible always and also just the styles of comedians you don't want to have all the same styles as i said before yeah and it's also difficult on how to um what with musical comedians where you put them in on the billing mm. i always find that's a difficult one because <laughs> i hate following musical comedians <laughs> so because they just they just get they just get more laughs don't they i find they just <laughs> they do people like, love a musical comedian I, I followed Bennett Kavanagh at gigs a few times before, and I just died. I might have died anyway, to be fair. But <laughs> but we're blaming it on Bennett. I think I'll blame it on Bennett. But um, <laughs> we, yeah, when we booked him for our Thames Ditton gig, do I can't remember where we put him. I we think did was, put him at the end of the second act, and that worked really well. For but, the sake of yeah. the rest of the act, who were all brilliant. Yeah. But, I don't know it's a that... different energy, though, isn't it? It's it's a, it's a different. You almost have to like shift a bit. With it's the same with having like like I was saying, an alternative comedian and then a sort of you know observational comedian who's slightly more, what well, less alternative. It it's a it's a switch of comedy. So mm. it, when you have someone as high energy as a musical comedian, because that's what they are. It. it it's hard then to maybe follow that when you're more of a sort of yeah. you, when you're a comedian that maybe like sits back on the jokes a bit more. You can't do yeah. that to people. You can't be like, oh, I come to the comedy night. You're going on after this musical comedian because they're just like, oh, fuck you. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's really, that's. So we do try and place them <laughs> at the end of acts rather yeah. than opening an act and then having someone else come on. Yeah, I think that's the right thing to do. Agreed. Yeah. Do you consider um, things like, because you've got quite established names on your bills typically, um, do you think about doing like the open mic spot? Does that Was that removed as an option or has it just not come up? We did. We started off by doing three 10-minute spots in the middle. Right. And we went away from that because we just thought it was stronger to have either three, you know, clubbing comedians doing 20 minutes yeah. and then maybe someone doing a 10 in the middle if it's needed which is usually someone we know or 
but yeah, we've gone away from it. Well, it's, it's, it's more just for us to say we know 100% what this comedian is going to deliver. And that's mm. that's definitely worth the price of the ticket. There's no risk taking here. <laughs> we're not, we, we're not, we're not we, taking risks on anybody. We don't take any risks. <laughs> but that said, we have we have discussed maybe doing specific open mic nights at some point. We're not saying that we don't want to do that. And we 100% aren't saying that we don't want to give new acts a chance because we do. And I think the point is, is we are giving new acts a chance. They're just probably slightly more experienced than someone who's only done like four gigs. Or, you mm. know, we, we like to, we, we, we tend to give a platform to upcoming comedians who have been up and coming for like the last sort of six months or so at the least. I think we had Luke Nixon on in January, he and he was yeah. great. And he, I don't know how many gigs he'd done, but I don't think he'd done particularly no. many gigs. But that's when we started out when we were going to do, when that was the plan. Yeah. But we've come away from we've that. We've come away, we've become lazy. We don't. God, we've become lazy, haven't <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah, we just. Yeah, we just can't be bothered. <laughs> if you've not been on the stand up sketch show, you're yeah. not coming in. Yeah, you're not coming in. Get out of my pub. We're coming across really well. <laughs> so how do you find your place in the comedy industry? Where is Quipshed in named clubs and companies? I think it's very much unknown, isn't it? It's, I mean, we've only got, what, 500 followers on Instagram so far. Yeah, when um, we're new. We are new. We're new. I think we've, I hope, I think we've probably got a better, better reputation among comics than actual audience i think that's fair to say isn't it i think so I well i don't for... <laughs> i don't know i i think i i, I actually feel like we've got a good reputation for both because we know the shows that we put on are great and the stand of comics are great and we do have our audiences that love to come and see our shows and i also think comics like us because i think we we do treat them well and mm. we you know pay properly we're we're not late with that either you know we we having but having both been self-employed performers we know what it's like when you're you know not paid by a promoter or not paid properly or on time mm. and i think we take that really I seriously think, yeah. I mean, we are very new but we're just trying to we first and foremost wanted to get a good reputation among comedians yeah as well as as well as audience because with, to be honest with the audience it's i feel like it's more to do with the venue and who you're booking. Like, if I'm going into Kingston to watch some comedy, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm I'm going to watch it because it's outside the box or... Right. Because we don't have, we're not, we don't have a, a venue that's ours. It's not like Backyard Comedy Club or Up the Creek. Yeah. Who cares whether it's Quipshed Comedy, really? It's at the venue, it's at my local place. Right. The comedian I want to see is on. So... I don't know. I think it's better to have that sort of reputation among among the industry, among the comedians, and um, I think that's how it will sort of grow, won't it? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, we see a lot of growth to come. I suppose yeah. we've got lots of aspirations for it. But, I mean, in terms of where we're placed, I just think, you know, we're a sort of venue-based comedy club in different places wedding and, venues and, and <laughs> mainly that. wedding venues and sports clubs um well, that's had thing. the idea to do to target membership bases yeah that's why i'm saying she's the sort of entrepreneur of this I, I, these, these people these places they already had so like thames ditton the sports club already had two thousand uh members yeah because of all the rugby and hockey teams they've got the sailing club in hammersmith it's a members place so it's easy to get the word out. And then Ham Polo Club has 7,000 people on its mailing list. So I, I I think if you put on a comedy night there and didn't put Quip Shed Comedy on there, I'm not sure it would be like, well, no, I'm loyal to, to there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I think it's I think it's more to do with, yeah, building up your reputation amongst the the industry. Yeah. Uh, comedians and yeah, agents and as well. Yeah. A, you know, there were, there, there were agents that we struck up nice relationships with. Yeah. So that's, I think it's that sort of thing, really. Is I, I, but I don't know where we stand there. I mean, there are massive production companies, and I suppose we're at the moment we're just another comedy night, really, aren't we? Yeah, I would say hundred percent. Yeah, but what's this space? Yeah, <laughs> more to come. Yeah, more to follow. So, Lyle, typically, not always, but typically, you MC the gigs. Mm. Are you happier as an MC or as a as an act, or do you like the promoter side of it? 
I prefer emceeing now, unfortunately, and that's <laughs> come about just from doing this night. I've really, I, it's easier. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. As an MC, I've never sort of just—I've never died on stage. You know, I've—I've I've had a few deaths on stage in my time, and I've never done. That's never happened to be emceeing. Right. I find like the risk elements taken out of it a little bit. I'm quite good at improvising with the audience. I don't, you know, I'm relatively. Um, I can be quite aggressive. I think sometimes, but not offensively so. Right. I just always feel like it's, it goes well when I MC. Sometimes you travel a long way to do a comedy. Like early on in the year, I went up to Leicester to do a comedy gig, and I it took us four hours to get there, four hours back, and I just I just died up there, and I just thought, why have I done this? Why have I? But yeah, so I think I prefer I do prefer MCing now, which is frustrating, I suppose, in some ways because I suppose the career progression isn't the same when you're we ask a lot of i ask a lot of people to mc yeah and um usually the answer is oh can i not do a set right instead because i don't well i suppose they don't have to stay to the end that's one thing yeah and often it's better paid as well yeah which is always odd the mcs always always seems to be not as well paid as the other acts sometimes i do prefer it i didn't but i did a gig in slovenia recently though but i didn't prefer it because there was no breaks and they right. wanted me to do um I really enjoyed the gig, but yeah. they wanted me to do a set in between each act. And so I was just stood on the side of the stage for two and a half hours. There was no break. <laughs> I had to go up and do sort of different bits um at every every point. I ended up doing about thirty five minutes of material, which is too much to hear from the MC. Right. Um but I, I do enjoy the promoter side of things as well. I, I can't do what Jacasta does in terms of all of the um I can't do the I can't do the social media really, and the and the sort of the graphic design stuff. Yeah, so you're looking at me funny now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can confirm you cannot do the graphic. Design I can't stuff. do it. That is, I can't do it. Strong, I like strong booking, confirm. I like booking acts. I do like doing that. There's something quite rewarding about it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and we've been very lucky with people not dropping out of gigs as well. Which gosh, we've been nice. so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. We've had one show really where it's been stressful the rest it's been i think before that as well we'd only really had like one or two people maybe drop out and they've dropped out like maybe even like a month before so it's been okay um so yeah it's only been once really that that's happened where we've gone oh my god (laughs) (laughs) always for legitimate reasons like oh 100 percent yeah there's ever been like no gosh um illness is a thing guys yeah yeah but that's okay no it's it's rewarding giving your friends or people that you've met that are great spots Mm. on a comedy gig and and paying them to do it and watching them do well it's nice Mm. it's it's wholesome I like it. Yes, the whole thing is rewarding. We yeah. really enjoy it. We put so much work into each of our nights. It's all really thought out, and um, it's great to see them. We, it's great to see the audience enjoy themselves, and it's it's great for the comedians when you see them do really well. We like comedians. Comedians are you they obviously are, are aware of this. They're fun to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, I like, sure. and they they're all they all seem to be nice. Everyone we've worked yeah. with is nice. Is a nice it's person. It's true. It really is. true. Actors are. Are we allowed to swear on this? Yeah, yeah. Actors are cunts. They're all... <laughs> they're, so they're so cunty. Not all of them, but, you know, traditionally... Even me. Yeah. Comedians <laughs> are nice, actors are cunts. That, is that, you know, that should be the title of this. That, no, do you know what it is? Is that the title of do your you know joint autobiography? I don't want... Yeah. We, can't, we can't, you know, make a actors sweeping and generalisation. <laughs> they're not all. Not to generalise. No. <laughs> I just think comedians are more self-deprecating. You know, like, they're, they're, far, they're far more laid back um, most of the time. Um, whereas actors, I think, are more sort of highly strung and... Yeah. <laughs> uh, <can't>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, I suppose awful. it's quite a sort of it's a lonely existence being a professional comedian, though, isn't it? A lot of the time, so right. that green room atmosphere is always really nice. I find I'm sure there's comedians out there who've been doing this a lot longer than I have. That um have the have had the opposite experience, but <laughs> but um it's like also because we've not been going that long you book people as well and then you I, I do that stupid thing where I introduce comedians to each other and they come in and they obviously know each other so well already like most people <laughs> we book they, they've been on a gig with each other the night before well, a lot of the time the opener 
is going to the gig that the closer has just come from or something like that. There's a crossover. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um, I like emceeing. I like the I like the, the the booking of the acts. I I did, like I said. I think it's been to the detriment of my own <laughs> <laughs> sort of writing and doing other gigs. But I'm sure. I think that's just because we're throwing everything into it at the moment. It seems sort mm. of all consuming, trying to make it perfect. I think eventually, not that we'll stop caring about it, but it'll sort of almost run itself, won't it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I guess I do. Not, yeah, I think. I think you have to be able to let go eventually, and maybe let someone else. But I think there was only one night that we didn't uh, that we haven't been at so far, and that was really and not that's our fault because we had COVID. Yeah. So mm. Jamie Allerton ran it. And um, it was great, apparently. <laughs> it was great. On that show. Yeah, probably on that show. He it. He ran the whole night. He set the room up. He, um, yeah, I think Sean Walsh was the headliner that night. Yeah. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. And maybe once we're sort of, sort of more used to doing it, we can let it go a little bit and I can... Um, can actually maybe. put some effort into your own career. Yeah, exactly. That's what mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, maybe. Whereas for me at this point, I feel like I am keen to work more for Quipshed. I mean, it's a lot, but I, because I'm not also a stand-up comedian, I want to make that very clear. (laughs) So many people say to me, are you a stand-up too? Do you not fancy giving a go? I'm like, absolutely not. I would rather do anything else. Um, But I, I see a lot of opportunity in where Quipshed could go. And yeah. I'm really excited about working more for it and making it more of a full time sort of well, that was a bit mission. Of mine, wasn't it? <laughs> You're like excited to, to give up. I'd like to stop attending the gigs. Yeah. Basically, at one at some point, I'd like La, La will give up. To take over the whole thing. I... <laughs> That's the dream. That's the dream. <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to ask you, where does this leave an acting career if you were devoting so much time to this new enterprise? Well, yes, quite. Uh, <laughs> where is my acting career? Someone could find it and let me know. That'd be great. Um, you just did a run in the mousetrap. I did do that. Yes, I think everyone on the planet must have seen. By yes. Now. Well, you say that. There's just so many. <laughs> Should people we reveal who there? done it on this podcast? Absolutely not. God, they'll be after me. The Agatha Christie <laughs> Club will be after me. No, she'll rise from her grave. Look, I um. That is my first love, always will be, um, and it 100% is not dead in the water at all. That's mm-hmm. still something I pursue. Um, yeah. However, it has become so difficult in the last few years, especially a VEC pandemic. Um, I'm just auditioning and hoping for the best at the moment. Um, I'm not concerned at this point because I feel like it's hard out there for everyone. Right. Um if something happens, it happens. I, I still have a great confidence in it. Mm. I think I would be able to do both at the same time. Should, when, not should, when my next job comes up. Yeah. I, you know, especially because it's theatre that I am mainly seen for. Mm-hmm. Um, I I reckon I could do Quip Shed in the day, theatre in the evening. You know, Lyle could run the gigs when they happen. Mm-hmm. See, actually, it's turning out that you're going to be more involved that's it's not the dream you wanted, Lyle. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I don't I think the answer is I if, you know I I hope I could run them both at the same time, both careers. Yeah. But w- we just don't know. I'd give it my best shot, but I do feel like we've opened up a can of worms with Quipshed, and we've both sort of unknowingly fallen in love with doing something that we didn't think we would ever do. So I do feel like Quipshed is a mainstay. Right. I, I really do. Um, and I have lots of ambitions for it, much like I have ambitions for my, my acting career. I, I just would hope that they would run at the same time, mm-hmm. hopefully. But, I mean, I just don't know. I think that's the answer. Yeah. And to, until I'm in a situation where I'm doing both things, I just I don't know. Mm. I hope to be doing both at the same time. That would be fabulous. It's all you need Hi is a phone me. call, isn't it? Hi One me. phone call. Yeah. Get the audition, nail the audition, and you're in Hollyoaks. Mm, I, Bang. Oh, you've, the you've dream. Oh, the dream. <laughs> Quickshade goes to Chester or wherever it is. Where is it? I 
think it's Chester. Is it Chester? Or Liverpool? I don't know. Somewhere up They're north, isn't it? <laughs> the Northern Dream. Yeah. That's what they call it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 would, I would hope that they, they ran well and smoothly together. But, in, you know, until I'm in that situation, I just really don't know. Yeah. Um, depends how much Cripshed takes off as well, you know? Yeah. Find the CEO of a, <laughs> of a big comedy corporation. <laughs> who who bloody knows? Because I would be CEO. No, I have no. I don't even know what that means. No. Technically, <laughs> I don't even know what a CEO does. I know what it means, but what do they actually do day to day? What Apparently, do they do? It's literally. They just, I read a report that said that the top, the forty percent of the top CEOs um, have either a negative or no influence at all on the running of the company. Even though they get the most, money. the less you do, the less you do. I need that ladder. That's man. me at Quipshade Comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like on the bottom rung, just doing all that work. Yeah, at the moment, yes. At, yeah, ATM. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about stress. Mm. Um, <laughs> now, you, we we mentioned briefly. Uh, the one night so far where you had a, a number of readjustments to the billing. I think we had one a one comedian that was on the poster out of four, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Two including you, Lyle. Oh, I was there, yeah. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> That's two out of five then. No okay. one came for you. But... <laughs> no, exactly. But you yeah. were there. Yeah. How stressful is it without the worst happening? How... Is it still a time of anxiety before, you know, getting there, getting the posters there, getting the... Laptop set up, getting the lighting right, is everything going to be fine? Are you now used to it or is it still causing you anxiety? I think we're used to it. I think when it's a new when it's a new venue and it's the first night of a new venue, that is yeah. that that we are anxious because we don't necessarily know how it's going to work. We don't know what the audience in that particular venue is going to be like. Yeah. Um. So that that is nerve wracking, and I suppose the the more famous the comedian that we've booked for any night, there is always a concern that they're going to get a TV gig or something like that and Mm -hmm. they just don't come or maybe their agent has told them and they've forgotten because they've got so much going on. There's there's always a stress that A, audience don't turn up, B, Mm -hmm. comedians don't turn up, and see, Lyle has to do a set. That's I always think, a concern. Yeah, that's the biggest worry. And I have to do 20 minutes. <laughs> no, I, help us. I don't think that's... You You always worry that um, like a headline is just not going to show up. So much Or that so sort of 100 concern. people that have paid £20 a ticket are not going to arrive. That's not the stress for me. The stress is is the tech. I'm not a tech-savvy person. Okay. Um, ticket sales... Most of these venues that we do, the tickets sell in the last week. That's not good for anxiety. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that is that is stressful. Yeah. I mean, we've never had to pull a gig before. because They've always been pretty well attended. And we've had a few sellouts as well. But there have been times where I think it was the gig we did with uh, where Ahir Shah uh, closed in terms of it. And I think on the Tuesday we'd sold 14 tickets. And then by the Friday, we had nearly 70 people in there. Yeah. And I was just, we were on the verge of just pulling it. Yeah, I think we it was were. half term. And um, we, right. we've learned from that, though. We've, we've definitely learned from doing it Don't this do year. Fancy sports no. club gigs in half term. Don't do it, guys. Or on a bank holiday. It's literally not <laughs> worth it. Go away. Um, but yeah, no, uh, there is, like, I mean, I am, I feel everything. I am a very emotional person. I, I feel everything through my entire soul. So I'm always some sort of extreme of emotion. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I, there's always anxiety there for sure. Um, but I think, I think for the most part, we are pretty stress-free come the night of. Once the tickets are sold mm. and, you know, the tech's set up, we're pretty okay bar maybe a couple of times the the worry for me as well is not that the comedians just won't turn up it's that the venue a couple of the venues we have as you know are in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. it's so mm. it's whether they actually manage to find it like the what ham polo club is down some sort of several alleyways half a mile of yeah. country mm. lane and then round a polo pitch and together and Thames Ditton's in the middle of a forest yeah. with no lights um 
sometimes it's tricky to actually get the axe there. It's, you have to make sure they get there safely and get back safely. That's that's one thing we didn't realise when we first did the Thames Ditton gig in January is that uh, people turned up, comedians turned up, uh, especially female comedians, quite freaked out about where it was because we'd essentially led people through a forest in the dark. Right. So that's a learning. <laughs> we immediately a, then we were like, okay, yep. I suppose it, yeah, it's because from now yeah, on. yeah, we live there. So we we feel so comfortable and we didn't even think about what it would look like turning up to no, somewhere yeah. like that. Yeah. So right. yeah, we, we learned immediately when taxis are a necessity yeah. um, for our venues. And I think now we're really, really good with that. I think Equity have just released, uh, the Equity for Comedians have just released their sort of guidelines haven't they and that's one of them is to make sure that the acts you know especially if you're not in the middle of london or if you're not in the middle of the town centers make sure that they can get there and back safely mm. at yeah. night. um which when you're doing a gig in the middle of the woods <laughs> you need to make yeah. sure they they get in a cab yeah mm. yeah <laughs> um what about the for you Lyle, the stress or anxiety before you go on stage is that still there yeah, all the time. I, w- I always have it just before I go on. Yeah. And it's really weird. I start yawning. I get really, t- I sort of get, I, I'm like the adrenaline's going, but it makes me yawn. So I'm always sat at the back of the room or stood at the back just yawning before I go on. I don't know what that's all about. But yeah, I've not stopped getting nervous yet before any gig. Right. I get really nervous. And it's not, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know what the material is. It's just about being hated. <laughs> just what if just want to be loved what if they what if they hate me and if they do or that, what the worst thing that happens is they're not going to laugh but so I don't know but I haven't I've met loads of comedians that are like oh I stopped getting nervous years ago but no I suppose that's mm. a good thing yeah it means you care yeah and you're putting an effort in or that you are underprepared or <laughs> <laughs> that maybe that or that or yeah, yeah. Maybe you just thought your standard set would go down well in this particular place, and you haven't. It's like when I did the gig last week or the week before in Slovenia, and I, it was only beforehand, just beforehand, when I was talking to the promoter, mm. and I was like, "Do they have Love Island here? Do you have Love yeah. Island?" He was going, "I don't know what you're saying to me." <laughs> and like, then you ah, thought, "That's it. I've got nothing." I did it anyway. They loved it. They didn't understand. Wow. <laughs> it's probably just called something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let, let's not try and imagine what I had to try and explain to someone what Love Island was they were like no I'm sorry that sounds that sounds very weird we don't have anything like they, they were like we've got Slovenia's got talent so it's not going to work it's not that they, <laughs> they, don't, they don't have talent there's no talent no. involved but yeah no I still get very nervous yeah. at any gig is um, it the same for MCing or for your own nights as it is for if you're doing a spot or something? No, MC, MC makes me a lot less nervous. Right. I don't know why. I think it's because you can go in, you can go in slightly underprepared and... It's more of an improvised set anyway. Yeah. So, you you know, you're allowed to sort of take your time a bit with yeah, it. Yeah, it's and... not going to be, you know, it's not a linear sort of part of the show, is it? So... Mm. Um, that's probably why I prefer it because also you can have a few beers when you're emceeing. Oh, when I say a few, a couple, and you can. <laughs> and you, I just find it, I just find it a bit more chilled when you're when you're doing your twenty minutes at a club. You're trying to just nail that, yeah. you know, and you and and you sort of always second guess yourself as well if something didn't quite land or you you didn't say something in exa- exactly in the way that you wanted to or you missed a bit out that you think ruined the joke or something. Whereas with emceeing, you can just blame it on whether someone had an interesting job or not. Yeah. Sorry, I had nothing to work with. Exactly. So that was why that was bad. Not my fault. Although we did have the Chelsea football team in the front row The once. women's Chelsea football team. Didn't think I needed to say that. No, but, but uh, they... Hey, they, <laughs> a lot of them are on the England squad. Just oh, yeah. Oh yeah, That's the they point were, I'm making. But I couldn't make that funny. I in no way could I, mean, I was just in awe of them. Do you know what I mean? They were in on the front row and I was like, oh yeah. I can't so actually some it's it's better when people have like dog shit jobs. <laughs> you can just sort of lay into them a little bit. When you've got Chelsea footballers on the front row, that, that becomes difficult. She's like, Well, you're just you're better than I'm ever gonna be. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you talked um, a little bit, Jocasta, about lessons learned, like with the cabs and what have you. Have you mm. run up against um, any obstacles that you hadn't anticipated? 
I think the, our first gig, although I think went very well, our first ever one, mm-hmm. um, we did learn a few lessons in that. I think mainly because I think we could have done so much planning for that yeah. and it still would have had things that we could have improved on. So I think timing as well. We, ha- we had a lot of issues with things overrunning and not sort of planning well how many people we had on and how long they were doing and actually mm. knowing about an, an audience's attention span and how long they're, <laughs> they, they're willing to sit and listen to just one person before they kind of switch off slightly. So mm. we're, still, we're still trying to like get that balance right. I think we found actually the winning formula might be just three comedians and an MC rather than an opener, a couple of middle spots and a, and a, a headliner so we're still we're still trying to work that out so i mm. think that's something we learn at every gig um and then obviously just yeah the welfare of the comedians that yeah. like you said before that was a that was a biggie that was a, yeah that was a biggie um and then essentially i don't i mean not ma- not massive lessons i think we'd... well the first show was a it was a good gig but it was a it was a clusterfuck wasn't it because we overbooked the venue there was 120 people in there and it was, well, it was. I mean, you couldn't breathe. It yeah. was too hot. But and, um, <laughs> the tech didn't go well because the equipment was about twenty-five years old, and we had a musical comedian on trying to use sort of Bluetooth dongles and whatnot. Um, <laughs> so we had, I think, at one point, Nick Helm's mic just went off. Oh, that did happen, yeah. But then, you know, it did massively overrun, but then Nick Helm did do about 40 minutes, I remember. <laughs> you know, you're like, it's your first gig that you've run. I'm not going to stand at the back and light Nick Helm. You're just going to carry <laughs> no, on for as long as you want. No, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a... But everyone, I mean, everyone loved it, but it was definitely... Um, you could tell it was our first gig, for sure. Oh, 100%. They run a, lot, yeah. a lot smoother now. Yeah, and like I say, you know, I think we learned a lot from that. But since since then, I think it's just, you know, every show we sort of learn a bit more about how things should run. And yeah. and I also think I, so in my sort of non-acting jobs I've done in the past, I've done a lot of event management. Right. And actually with comedy gigs, I think you're, I think it serves you better to be slightly more relaxed and not as sort of this has to happen then and then that has to happen then. Whereas I think the first few, I was like, no, 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 we have to make sure that this is what happens at this point and then that has to be at this time. Whereas actually people coming for a, for a night of comedy are up for just a fun evening where they get to enjoy themselves. It's difficult with the venues we do it in as well because... You have the bar staff at those venues, yeah. and then you have us, and a lot of the time I'm emceeing it. So it's difficult. It's not like at Up the Creek where like a bell will go or something, and it's the, it's and then it's time for the show. Yeah. It's literally like you have to judge it. Be like, do you know what? They look like they're enjoying themselves at this break. Or there's a queue at the bar. Let's sort of yeah. hang off a yeah. bit for 10 minutes. But, and, and I think that is okay. And I think I, that used to be really stressful. And I think it's gotten less so. And you just think, I think it's fine. Like they're clearly enjoying themselves. As long as you're not running like, you know, 25, yeah. half an hour, you know, Probably behind. really annoying for comedians when you're overrunning <laughs> and sort of the closer of turns off. And you're like, oh, you're on in. I think, yes. But yeah. I, I mean, I think we've been lucky. I think like we said before, like we've, everyone's been really chilled with us. And, and I think, yeah. And we've roped in a friend now to help us on the night. Yes, because it's become a bit sort of too much for all of us to, well, just you and I, especially when you're emceeing, to to do it all. Yeah, Mm. because you're checking it. You're you're checking in tickets. Um, well, the, pro- the, the, comedians the problem that- we had was that I was checking in tickets and then no one would sit in the first like five rows. Mm. So then the comedians would get on stage and they'd be like, oh, there's literally nobody here in front of me. So yeah. we just needed, you know, someone just to literally put people in the front so that it was a, you know, better gig for the comedians to come on. Yeah. I find it baffling as well how people... People don't turn people. People turn up to these things late and then complain that they have to sit on the front row or that there's not like four <laughs> chairs together. Yeah, it's like that is your punishment. Yeah, enjoy the comedy alone. Get on the front. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Ryan Air. <laughs> you were talking about doing the the social media mm. because you again you were talking about doing administration, checking tickets, etc. Is is you doing the social media and doing videos and things? Is that like your creative input into it? Is, do you find an outlet for for your creative stuff? Definitely. Um, 
so in you know in ter- in terms of like the design of just the branding of the company yeah that was something that was very much me um you know building the website and 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 running all the social media marketing aspects right. i do uh, that, that is a definitely a, a creative outlet but i'm a weird sort of creative hybrid where i'm also like i love logistics so like <laughs> i i love both things and actually quipshed's a, a really good sort of mix for me where i have like my creative outlet but then there's a lot of sort of logistics to it which make me very satisfied and happy in terms of planning an event and you know even just like you know the timing of things going live and and that just the general administration of just the website which is totally not creative anymore that is literally just updating it with information but hey (laughs) i get a kick out of it what can i say um so yeah i mean i think i could I, I definitely feel that I need more creativity in in my life. I, let, I, I'll be honest. I'm not like this is this is everything I've wanted and more. I think you know <laughs> that there is more that I would like to do with my creativity. But I think at the moment it is just very satisfying seeing something that we've literally built out of absolutely nothing when we've had no money to do anything and just create a really positive fun thing for everyone involved and i think we're i think we're really proud of that and i think we're quite shocked at how mm. quickly it's grown and and also the caliber of of talent that we're that we're you know putting on i i don't think when we first started this that we we were thinking that we could you know have have the acts that we have on now. No. Like I, I, I no think. Way. I assume they'd say no. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're we're always shocked when you know an act gets back to us and says yes, and you know, I maybe that's just because we're new to this and we should be more confident about it. But well, I mean, it, I'd be hesitant if I was an established comedian and someone was like, oh, "I'll just set up this club." Come it's... to this polo club in, <laughs> in in a town which I've never heard of before, which they're claiming is in Richmond, but definitely isn't. No, it's not in Richmond. <laughs> you know, you know, so. Yeah, it, it it's still amazing, and I think we're finding so much joy in that element. That at the moment, you know, the the other side of life is it can be on hold. Yeah. Um, and like I say, just us getting in conversations about where things could go, I think, is just so exciting for us. And um, and that again, that's creative in itself. Not you know, creativity doesn't necessarily mean you know painting and singing it can it can it, creating a company is creative i don't paint or sing so i don't know why she looked at me <laughs> i and no one should should hear or see those things no <laughs> to be fair do you still go out and watch comedy of your own volition do you go out and watch it as an entertainment i've um I suggested it quite a lot but you sort you're nodding but you for you it's we like, have it, you, it's like a busman's holiday for you a bit more now isn't it uh, like, no, I actually don't agree with that. Okay. Oh, <laughs> we're arguing. <laughs> no, I, 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 we do. We one hundred percent do. I just feel most of the time that I don't actually have time to do any sort of mm. traveling around to watch anything, regardless of whether it's comedy or theatre. Mm. Um, we watch. We watch the whips. people's whips. We watched. Yeah. Whips. We saw Tom Basden's whip not long ago. Oh yeah, yeah we did see that. It felt not long ago, but it was actually quite a long time ago. Um, <laughs> what have we seen? We've seen Luke McQueen's whip, John Kearns's whip. You've been to up the creek because mm. I was on. Oh yeah, no, that probably was the last one I've seen. I did up the creek on a Sunday night, and there was a massive storm, and so not many people were there, and it didn't go. It was one of those gigs where um, you <laughs> where. <laughs> Because I was talking to Ian Smith about this because he was emceeing. We thought that we'd all died, that it was just a bad gig. And we all hadn't done very well. And then Jeff Innocent came on and absolutely smashed it. Yeah. Uh, and then you realise you haven't, don't have an excuse. But, I mean, he is exceptional. Oh, God, he's so funny. To be fair. Yeah, he really is. Mm. <laughs> that was a weird gig, though. Which one? That gig. Oh, the Up the Creek one? Yeah, it was It was strange. just surprised that anyone was there because it was that awful It was storm, awful, wasn't, wasn't it? it? It was like, honestly, it was like, like it was a like, quarter d- full. Eunice. It was Storm Eunice. It was like, don't leave your house. Yeah. Sort of thing. Right, yeah. Um, and you left your house. Well, I was doing Up the Creek. <laughs> you did a gig. <laughs> yeah. No one else left that house, though. Not being booked there again. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Up the Creek. 
<laughs> He's available, but not on any of the Quipshed comedy nights. <laughs> he needs to help me herd audience members. <laughs> I feel like I watch so much comedy, but I guess like, it is all hours. The, the comedy pub um, in Piccadilly, well, that- and that up the creek. But I mean, that's a tough question for you to ask on this podcast because you go to yeah. Well, no, no one can compete show. with you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Literally. But I like going to lot um, comedy gigs uh, that I'm neither performing nor promoting because that is the most relaxed I can possibly be. That's yeah. a gig. So you're like, yeah, no, <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing riding on this. Do you see? Do you see other comedians from the viewpoint of a comedian? Are you like waiting for the punchline? You sit there and go, "Oh yeah, that's clever. Oh, I know where he's going with it." Or do you just laugh? Are no, I think I just go into it like like I before I started stand up. I think, but yeah. I, I tend to go and watch people that I've, I've purposely gone to what like want to see. So like John yeah. Kearns, yeah. But you don't, you're not like second guessing any of that or judging it or waiting for it because it's so unique. Yeah. Or Luke McQueen that I saw the other day as well, and. As you know, my favorite comedian is Tim Key. Yeah. Like that, it's all, it's all, it's all very different. So you're not yeah. just there at a sort of mixed bill night waiting for like. And interestingly, the comedians you like are they're nothing like your style of comedy. No, I'm not brave enough. That's a very brave like genre of comedy to oh, do. No, I think it? that's it's... you doing yourself a disservice. Actually, mm-hmm. I just no because I think your comedy is what that that comes from you. You don't go. I'm not brave enough to do this joke. If you had a joke that you thought was in that style, you would probably still do it. I don't know if it's so, so a joke. It's a deme- It's a whole demeanor. It's a whole character, isn't it? Mm, Luke McQueen McQueen said a great bit at the end of his work in progress the other week where he's like I've tried to be mainstream I've tried to just be a normal comedian and I just can't do it because the problem is I think that this is all fucking hilarious and it's ruining (laughs) my life (laughs) but yeah I I love that so I love going to watch that sort of alternative comedy but not I can't do it I don't know what, what how you get into alternative comedy whether you're just it's what you find funny, isn't it? I yeah, but whether you started out as a normal comedian and went, oh, like this, or whether yeah. you've always been a bit weird, and that's <laughs> just how it's always... Yeah. It's hard to look at things from a slanted perspective if that isn't your general yeah. view anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Unless you make a character, and then it's the character's thinking and not you. Yeah. Like John Kirsten. I love it. Yeah. I love watching that. So no, because that, those are the kind of things I tend to go and watch. I don't. I'm never like, yeah. Like, oh, I, oh, I know, I know what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> so, what so far then has been your best moment, your most triumphant achievement with uh, Quipshire comedy? Oh gosh, that's a hard question, isn't it? Um, oh, most triumphant moment. Selling out gigs is good, I suppose, but also like getting, like you were just talking about, getting the caliber of acts we have. Booking Phil Wang was a big moment. I feel mm. like having having someone like him come on stage when we'd only well, been going for a few months was um, and having that sell out. The room was packed. The atmosphere was great. That was quite a I felt triumphant. I mean, again, nothing to do with me. All to do <laughs> all to do with Phil Wang and how good he is at comedy, really. But um, thanks, Phil. It, yeah, cheers, Phil. <laughs> it felt like sort of legitimizes you doesn't it sort of vindicates what you've done when right. you know you've got a, a packed comedy club brackets wedding venue and <laughs> you know you've got what you had ian smith to do with malunga and phil wang on that night so that's that's like a sort of you know comedy store lineup i think it's probably yeah. better than the comedy we store i mean we, we well <laughs> apart from the mc don't out us comedy store <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's a hard question for me personally to answer because I don't actually think there is one particular moment that I would say is that's the moment that I I feel is the most triumphant. I think I know what my most triumphant moment will be because that's something that's coming. 
and I'm excited for that, um, which I can't, we can't talk about on this podcast, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, well, I'm not going to mouth it to you in oh. case someone can, d- 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 I don't know, work out what my sort of mouthing breath movements on the mic mean. <laughs> do I know what it is? Yes, of course you do. Okay. It's um, <laughs> a big game. I don't know. I what's, know. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, maybe I've, I've I've upped it too much, but <laughs> but I, I I think I think a lot of it has been triumphant and just like continuing and people coming back to see the shows and you know yeah. it just makes you feel like you're doing something right and I think we've been building up really nicely adding venues and and I think we've got something shows coming in the new year which are going to be really really exciting and I think mm-hmm. such a great step for us and I and I think that's going to be a moment where we go wow look what we've done in one year because that's going to be around the time that we we did our our first gig a year before yeah. and i think that's going to be quite something for us straight after a pandemic in in the cost of living crisis yeah. it's gone quite well mm-hmm. i'd say it has yeah. gone well I, I think we i like i said before you know i'm very proud of what we've achieved yeah Lots of lols still to be had, though, guys. Oh, dear. That's a shame. <laughs> that's a shame. And that's Ruined why that I don't do the stand-up. <laughs> I leave that to you. Hmm. Yeah, and I think you should take a bit more credit, lol, because... Definitely. You, you know, you, you, I, I realise that being self-deprecating and being anxious is part par of the course as a stand-up comedian, but you are very capable uh, stand-up and MC, so thanks. Indeed. That. Hashtag agree. Really appreciate that. <laughs> so where can we find out about crypto comedy, what's coming up? Um, so we've got a website, quipsharecomedy.com. And we've got all our shows listed on there. We've got our venues listed on there. It's updated very regularly, as I've uh, <laughs> as I've alluded to before. Um, and yeah, all, the, all our info is on there, essentially. Um, we've got some really good gigs coming up. We've got um, Reese James headlining for us in Thames Ditton at the end of this month. We've got Fern Brady headline, headlining for us in November in Hammersmith. Yes. Um, and we've got a couple more shows coming up before the end of the year that we're yet to announce. So we've got some really very good shows lined up we're for back people. we Polo Club in November as well. We are. We don't know. We haven't announced yet who we've, we've uh, got. Okay, so I won't say who they are. TBC, Who's if you're free that? that night, do let us know. Tune in. Fantastic. And um, finally, can you summarise for me what is comedy in a nutshell? Oh, gosh. Jesus. What is comedy? What have other people said? <laughs> What's the best thing that anyone else no, has no said? No cop-outs. Oh, Lord above. Okay. Comedy in a nutshell. Comedy in a nutshell is... Uh... There we go. Here it comes. <laughs> It's clip show comedy. No, no, no. That's the PR answer. We I know. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I am Awful joking. Stuff. Dreadful. Um, <laughs> what is comedy in a nutshell? What is it? I mean, for me, it's the perfect evening. That's what comedy is. Oh. It is though, isn't it? Because you can get right. You can go along to a. She's doing. She's miming, vomiting. <laughs> that was cringe. But it's the perfect evening. Well, yeah. It's the perfect evening because you go, you're go, you going to a, a sort of pub-type mm. venue, whatever it is, comedy club. You're going to have a few beers. You're, you're going and you're going to watch the best. You're not going to the fucking theatre to watch, you know. Chekhov. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> you know, or some sort of Ibsen or do you know the amount of, I mean, I hope people, lots of people, not too many people I know listen to this, but the amount of plays that you have to go and watch when you've just sort of come out of drama school and you've done a lot of and you're doing a lot of those sort of um what do you call them off western like, yeah off, like profit fringe, share fringe, sort of fringe things, type yeah. plays yeah and people have to come and watch you in this dog shit and you have to go and watch them <laughs> in it and it's never fun and all that's ever said at the end of it is well, you were great. It means it was shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> comedy is always like... Comedy, it's just the perfect thing. It's always good. It's always good. Someone's always good. Do you know what I mean? Hopefully. Because <laughs> then it ain't a perfect evening. I've never been to a comedy gig where somebody hasn't been good, where it wasn't worth going to. Have you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, well, I mean, yes, you... you because you run mixed bills, so obviously, usually, you've got odds in your favour. Someone's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah, but I've been to a lot of solo solo gigs, and they're not always great. And you no, think, I, I'll that. never get that hour back. But in fairness, I, I gamble on people I've not heard of on new names. So, mm. I, you know, these mm. are new and experienced people who are trying to put together 30 minutes. That's fair enough. And you go, yeah, you're not, you're not really. 
Yeah. But that does happen. Yeah. But not all the time. Not even that often. Sometimes. Yeah. I don't, I don't... I mean, for me, comedy, in a nutshell, I would say, is just joy. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking... That's, <laughs> that's so much worse than a perfect evening. <laughs> I meant it's the perfect... I, I, I meant it's I've, like the best night out, isn't I don't it? Know. And you've just said just joy. It is, though, isn't it? It's just fun. Joy. Comedy Comedy is is... Laughter and fun, that's what it is. Mm. It's just joyous. I feel like I'm about to break out into song. <laughs> Lock yourself out, Maurice. I wanted to. <laughs> the musical episode. <laughs> what would Ibsen say? <laughs> I can't remember reading any. I know we have, I know I've had to. It would have been bleak though, wouldn't it? Knowing Henrik. Were we in an Ibsen? Yeah, we were. We were in several. Aha. Oh, we were in several. I've blocked them out. Quite right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Life was great, though. <laughs> yeah, you were both great. <laughs> what was the Ibsen we were in? Um, you were... Oh, God, you were in The Lady from the Sea. You ate, like, a banana on stage. Ah, uh, that was it. To make the, you better at acting. The director Sexy. thought I was really bad... But didn't say this, but thought I was bad at acting, essentially. So it made me start... To, like, wanted me to eat food while I was doing a scene. Just so I had something to do, so I looked more naturalistic. Um... <laughs> It just means you're not very good. He kept making me do things like, oh, touch your nose, do nose acting <laughs> instead of just saying Classic the line. Classic nose acting. Yeah, that old nose. Because, um, yeah, I think he just thought I was a bit shit. That's why I don't do that anymore. <laughs> so much. Don't he tell is my still agent. available yeah, for hire. <laughs> still unexpectedly available. That was a good review, wasn't it? <laughs> You're doing it again, aren't you? Reviewing yourself and saying, yeah, I was shit at that. No, that was just a particular... No, I'm just remembering... I mean, I can, I'll can. i confirm you watched that, that. I did. I did watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch it. I did an accent. Yeah, um, well... Jamaican? Uh, no, it was... Well, no, it wasn't. Not, not initially. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it could have turned into that. What was it? It was like a Cockney accent, wasn't it? It was like a Cockney accent. Yeah. I think Van Dyke thought. Yes, almost. Hello, I think it was very on the buses, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you were supposed to be quite a sort of intimidating character and, and you were eating a banana, a banana. A banana <laughs> Keep that in. And, yeah, <laughs> cut that out. Eating a banana and um, speaking like Dick Van Dyke. So yeah. you, were, you were the least intimidating person. I think person. I was supposed to be sort of Grant Mitchell and I was, I was Billy Mitchell. <laughs> Possibly Peggy. <laughs> oh dear! Oh god, it's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming down and, and, uh, and being a part of this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having, you. Us. Thank you for having yeah, us. Enjoyed myself. Me too.